sisters join the resistance Come on, let's start by talking tactics We'll have a pass and match this Here's how we practice The last order conversation Hey everybody, welcome to Pop Culture Continuum. This is John Elliott. And this is Patrick Riccardi. And this week we be doing... Big Star versus Big Star. Number one record versus third, Sister Lovers. Sisters Lovers. Sister Lovers. Sister Lovers. Yeah. Yeah. So, for uh, this is another Music Nerd episode, I guess. One of the music nerdiest bands around. And... uh, you didn't see the uh, you didn't see the documentary, but you know what? We could do that because uh, there's another documentary that came out this year called "A Band Called Death" um, about this kind of underground, like black punk band from the early '70s. Um, so maybe we can like do both of those movies on a future episode. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, that sounds fun. I have, yeah the the DVD comes out in January. I, I just looked up so. Or uh, perhaps it was... No, it was December, so it comes out pretty soon. Okay, cool. Yeah, we'll do that in the future. Anyway, uh, Big Star, as I said on a previous episode, I was not aware of them until the replacement song, Alex Chilton, which was 87, so didn't know who they were. I mean, I might have read something about them and forgotten before that, but uh, I had no idea, uh, and that's what got me into them, so... And and for a while, uh, Third Sister Lovers wasn't really even available. Like at that time, um, I know that uh, I didn't really get that one until Ryko Disc released it in like the early 90s at some point, um, which I could probably find, but why bother? Um, but I'd heard uh, Number One Record and their second album, uh, Radio City, which they put together on one CD. Um, and... And that's how I got into them. And do you have any history with them, or are you did you learn about them fairly Through recently? You. Yeah, pretty oh, okay. recently. Uh, I guess about the time when he died is when I learned a lot about them. I think I've heard songs by them plenty of times, but I did just didn't know who it was. Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, from what I read, that the, the there's like a hundred different versions of the third sister lovers. Yeah, listing. and the version and the, I gave you was uh, it was from. The uh the big star box set that was yeah the, there was no right like really official track list like order or anything yeah and take care wasn't on there because so I was I was wondering I had I looked it up just to hear what it sounded like because I knew that song from Yola Tango's CD oh did I I probably cut that one off because they had it after some other yeah it was it's really weirdly sequenced on that uh well it doesn't look like it's missing like the track numbers go through. Through so maybe I mean well I care. just I just renumbered the track numbers myself so oh, oh I see yeah, okay yeah yeah. Um, yeah but anyway um, we'll start with uh, number one record which was 1972 um, people call them they've always been called power pop but a lot of it uh, is more kind of almost classic rock which I'm not usually a fan of but I feel like they've got enough. Uh, sensitivity going on underneath that i can i can go along with it it took me a while to get into big star um no it in i this is gonna probably sound ignorant in some ways they remind me of kiss very very anthem like 
much better, but their their sound was like class. It was very classic rock, but it was, I they call that is it called anthem rock where the songs just sound like they you could hear them in a stadium. Yeah, I mean, I stadium rock. I guess I've heard. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, yeah, yeah. Which is usually not my thing so much, especially that uh, that '70s stuff. But like I said, after uh, after spending a long time with them, I, uh, it started to work for me. Um, and well, that's this album. I I don't think that necessarily applies so much to the third album. But uh, no, but yeah, they're this, very different. This album uh, has definitely has those the stadium rock kind of feel, although they were never big enough to play in a stadium. Obviously, well, they they played very often at stadiums, just no one else showed up. Yeah, ex- exactly. They played in the bathrooms. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So, uh, what was your overall impression of of this album? Uh, I I liked it a lot. I uh, the the second album. Or I guess it's their third album had a, a larger impression in that it was so dark. This one's not as dark. So just in contrast to the, the other album, this one's a lot more fun. Yeah. Well, but even then, right. Um, but it's still not fun. Right. Right. Like the the first song. I know it's not one uh, that we picked to uh, do a, a snippet of, but uh, the first song feel. Um, it's it sounds very like swaggery and and kind of r- classic rockish, arena rockish, and then. Uh, but then the chorus is, it feels like I'm dying. So um, that's, yeah, that's a, about a, the tone of the... A lot of their songs have that... It, it, it feels, it sounds and feels one way, and the lyrics go the exact opposite way, which is fun. Right, which is why I think they're a, a, a nerd or a music geek band, for sure, because they weren't doing the, the uh, you know, I want to fuck you, baby, lyrics with, right. the, with the, that usually went with that kind of music. Um and and unlike a lot of that classic rock, they have a lot of background stuff that I don't I don't recognize from classic rock. A lot of bla- background uh, vocals and stuff that don't sound very classic rock to me. Yeah, that's definitely the power pop influence. I mean, people talk uh, a lot about they compare this stuff to like uh, Lennon McCartney. I don't hear it so much, except that they were using harmonies and stuff. Um, it's definitely more 70s feeling than 60s feeling to me mm-hmm. um but anyway um we'll go on to the the first song the song that was my first pick um we'll, we'll go i guess chronologically in the album which is uh the ballad of el Gudo, which uh I, I don't know i don't know what my favorite big star song is there's so many good ones um it's up there it's probably top three or four but it took me a while to to get into that one too but that's the thing about them that i think uh they're one of those bands that like gets under your skin after after repeated listenings you know yeah rather, i agree with that yeah rather than just getting grabbing you up front like say kiss to, like you get kiss right away but that's all there is to get but that yeah there's nothing else there to kiss um there's even less actually i think um so the ballad of el Gudo. I don't know. I mean, it's one. It's another one like a lot of their songs where you don't really know what the hell he's talking about. But you kind of do. It kind of feels like life sucks, but you got to keep trying. That's what. That's what I took out of it. Yeah, kind of. But it's it's also very vague. Like it's not. It's not a. Uh, it's not a. I'm okay. You're okay. Type of feel good no, song yeah. necessarily. Yeah. It, it's not spelled out in that in that way. Um, 
yeah, ain't no one gonna turn me around, which I guess was a uh, was like a civil rights uh, anthem or song. I, I guess there was some kind of song, or it was just a saying that they had in the civil rights movement. Ain't no one gonna turn me around, which I, I didn't, didn't know. know. Yeah. Um. So I mean, but you know, they're they're Memphis, so that fits. There's there's also the um, at my side is God in it, which is you didn't hear a lot of uh that kind of thing in classic rock. They have a, a, a another song that's a, a full on almost a Christmas song, and I don't know what they're going going for with a Jesus Christ. Oh, on the on the third album, yeah, yeah. Um, I I don't know what they're going for with anything on that third album, but yeah, <laughs> we'll we'll get to it. But uh. My favorite part of this song is the the one line, "My guns, they're waiting to be stuck by." It's, just... yeah. <laughs> it's, it's kind of cool wordplay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And um, the background, the background. I think a lot of their songs. This is, but this one struck me as the. It, it was just neat. The the background vocals. Oh, really pretty and kind of mm-hmm. lush sounding. Oh, and the chorus that ain't no ain't no one gonna turn me around. It kind of winds up. It it starts off with ain't that, and then at the at the end, right, when he gets to around, the drum starts going really heavy, and then when he goes back to ain't, it's kind of it's kind of soft again. Yeah, slows down a bit. Yeah. With the yeah, hold on and <clears throat> yeah, it's it's a it's a really excellent song. Why, why don't we just play a little, and then people can judge for themselves. Years ago, my heart was nice this time of year yeah it kind, it kind of is it's a good good vacation spot uh I, I mean if you're on the east coast for me it's it's basically where i'm living right now hot as shit here in december um your pick uh next is probably their most familiar song though not their version of it uh, right from for, that, yeah for different reasons is in the street so and, uh talk about that and that's why I picked it because it's as a, as a non fan of theirs, like not knowing about them. This is the the song I've heard the most from that's the theme from that '70s show, and this version is far far superior. Yeah, the that, on that show that one was a uh, cheap trick did it on on the show, and the uh, cheap trick already have a cover of it, or did they just have them? Because I saw that they didn't do it the first season. Some other guy did, but did Cheap Trick already have a cover they took, or did Cheap Trick do it just for that show? I think they did it just for the show. I think huh. I, uh, I'm, I don't know. I should I admit that I have all of Cheap Trick's albums? 
because I do. But uh, I like Cheap Trick. Yeah, I mean, well, I especially in that. especially their first three albums. They they got a little spotty for a while in the eighties. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't remember it being on any of those albums. So, um, but so that's why you picked this one just because you knew it so well. Yeah, and it's and it was interesting to hear because I had not heard the Big Star version, and it it is so far superior. And the the lyrics are very teenage. This is what you're doing. Yeah. The, oh, oh well, a lot of these. Well, they're not all teenage, but yeah, this there's a lot of good teenage lyrics on this album. Um, mm-hmm. I guess. And the cowbell. I was gonna say tons of cowbell, just just doing uh, paradiddles on the cowbell on there. Yeah, it sticks out. Um, well, let's let's play it. We'll we'll do in the street. Um, I don't really have a lot to say about it. It's just a good rock song, classic rock song, and as you said, much better done than the that 70s show version. Uh, here's in the street. one was another one of your picks um which is another one that's probably top four for me of their songs oh it, it's a it's a one a very very pretty song 13 it's so sweet and simple about uh adolescent dating i guess yeah but it for me it's a little bit creepy that you have this guy in his his mid-20s singing it but it it's an awesome song in, in spite of that well i think i i don't know if anybody's ever figured out Alex Chilton and what made him tick at all. Um, I think, you know, maybe he, he still felt like a teenager. Maybe he had a bit of a weird Michael Jackson thing going on at this point. He was, uh, didn't mention in kind of a, uh, fabricated pop group, the box tops in the sixties who had a, a number one hit with the letter. And, um, and I think, that kind of weirded him out that whole experience a little bit. So uh, he came back to Memphis and joined this band, which was already kind of going without him. And, uh, and yeah, I, I, I know what you're saying a little bit, but it does also capture the, that age really well. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. And, and yeah, it's a, it's a tearjerker. Yeah. Cause it's so pretty. It's just, impossibly pretty yeah he he's very good at tapping into I, I i don't know there's a melancholy undercurrent to all their stuff um and he's really good at tapping into that without like i said giving getting too specific about why he has that feeling mm-hmm. um, which, yeah which is why you can return to the songs over and over because you can impose your own uh impressions on on all the and meanings on all the songs um but yeah we we're not gonna do it justice let's uh let's let's play it 13 won't you let me walk you home from school won't you let me meet 
I mean, I would have picked it if you hadn't, but I think that's, there's no doubt one of us was going to pick that song. It's, um, it might be, it's probably my, yeah, it's my favorite song on this album for sure. Yeah, it's, it's that. And I, I can't really choose between that and the Ballad of El Gudo. Uh, I think the Ballad of El Gudo is more, I think this is a song that actually grabs you the first time you hear it. And then, and it keeps you because it is, there's nothing wrong with it. Yeah. The Ballad of Gildo is, El Gudo is, took, took a couple listens for me to really get into it. Well, and that's another thing I, I guess I should mention at this point about their songs. They are kind of uh, shambling, a lot of them. Kind of, as I talked about on the episode when we did the cover songs, they kind of sound like on the verge of just falling apart <laughs> in some ways. And, and you talked about it with the, the drums speeding up and then slowing down. I mean, that it they do that a lot, and... And it's good for uh, you know increasing tension and then release and stuff, but then also sometimes it's almost a little too off the cuff sounding. Mm-hmm. But thirteen doesn't have any of that. No, it doesn't. And and it obviously wasn't that off the cuff because I from what I read they spent a lot of time in the studio getting the songs to sound the way they wanted. So yeah, it's a, uh, so what I read was that the two guys Chilton and whoever the other guy is I don't what's Chris his name? Bell were friends in 64 when they were both teenagers and the Beatles came out like 13. And that's when they started their relationship as, you know, working together musically. And Bell really wanted to work together as like Lennon McCartney. And so they, they tried to, but they didn't really do that. When, when they went to the studio, they had their own ideas and it sounded like Chilton was a little bit rougher and Bell was more like with, with the pretty stuff. Right, although 13 was Chilton. Right, yeah. So, yeah, they, they mix it up, too. Well, so did Leonard McCartney. Um, yeah, well, let's let's move on to... Uh, the next one is my pick, which is uh, My Life is Right. I really don't know why. It's another one that has very pretty vocals, I felt like. it. Uh, yeah, the background vocals are super-duper pretty. Yeah. And, and it's very festive, too. It's just kind of again compared to everything else it's almost happy almost happy and yet i mean the song's called my life is right and yet there's like that undercurrent of sadness to it that i can't quite put my finger on and you don't know why it's there um but that's what kind of elevates it for me so uh well let's get to it uh my life is right 
And then there's plenty of, I mean, the whole album, I think, is is worth listening to. It's all, all the songs are good after you give it uh, a few spins. There's uh, When My Baby's Beside Me, which is kind of more rocky, and then Watch the Sunrise, which is also a mellower one, really nice. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, they are. India song is good, too. It's, it's, it's more of a story song, not a story song, but the lyrics are kind of real strong. More direct, yeah. It, yeah, it's. I think it's solid all the way through. I I think this is better than than third, as far as far as the limited listens I've given, as from from front to back. I would. Yeah, I think. Uh, I think that's how I felt for a long time until um, just repeated listenings to third have uh, have won me over. I feel like with at this point with third, I feel like it's the, sometimes there's music that you can tell is really good, but you don't especially enjoy listening to it. That's how I feel like with a lot of songs on third that I know it's really good. But at this point when I'm listening to it, I don't especially enjoy it. But I think if I heard it a few more times, I would enjoy it more. Yeah, I think that's, I don't know if that makes sense. That's definitely it. Well, when third, well, third wasn't even released after they'd recorded it. Um, there were some uh, there were some financial problems with the record company, but also uh, they just thought it wasn't commercial enough to release. Like it wasn't worth it to put it out. The record company sounded really shitty. I was on Wikipedia. They were talking about uh, number one record coming out with all these awesome reviews. Everybody loved it, and they couldn't sell it because they couldn't get enough uh, copies of it in stores. Yeah, no. If you watch the documentary, um, they they go into a lot of detail about that. It was a it was a subsidiary of Stax Records, which uh, which was having trouble at that point. Too. Okay. So. Okay. Um, oh, and they're Memphis. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no. The record company was shitty and. Although when you listen to this album the first time and you think what 1975 it would have been released, um, it's really not commercial at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's right. maybe a couple a couple songs that are upbeat. Um, I think, but I think number one record is is commercial. Oh yeah, as was Radio City of their second album, which had September Girls on it, um, and and some and a bunch of other great songs. The the second album's almost as good as the first i think i I don't know i slightly prefer number one record over radio city but uh chris bell had left by by the second album um oh so he's not a part of the third album i didn't realize that nope nope not at all um it's basically alex chilton solo although i think jody stevens uh the drummer was still on hand um but yeah third Third is a difficult album, and it does take a long time to to get to you. But then when it does, I think, like I was saying before, it's one of those that like it sticks with you more because it took so long to to get under your skin, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I'm gonna shoot. I don't even have the uh, the box set listing, so I'm going to go by uh, by the listing I have here. Uh, which was for the Riker Disc Edition. Um, so we'll go in that order. Um, and it looks like you're first with uh, Femme Fatale, a Velvet Underground cover, which who we just recently talked about. And that's why I picked it, just just because we just recently talked about it. And it's such an awesome song. So it was really kind of, it was fun to hear this, his version of it. And it's, the sound is much different, but it's still the same song. And they make it their own. And I like the original a lot better, but I did like this. 
Yeah, it is good one, and he has the uh, the background uh, yeah. singing in French. Well, elle est un femme fatale. Um, <laughs> but also, you know, like that, like we talked about on that Lou Reed episode, they they said every uh, not many people bought the albums, but everybody did start a band. And this is, as far as I know, uh, the first Velvet Underground cover because this was recorded in '74. Um, it's only four years after they broke up. Um, maybe somebody had done Sweet Jane or something before that. I don't know. But, but that's the other interesting thing about it: the fact that uh, that this is a like a a band that never hit it big, doing a, co- a cover of another band that never hit it big. That's, yeah, that's funny. And then now both are kind of revered as right. Yeah. 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 Uh, well, yeah. Let's let's give a listen to uh, to Big Star's version of Femme Fatale. Here she comes. She's going to break your heart in two It's true It's not hard to realize Just look into her false colored eyes She'll build you up to just put you down What a clown Cause everybody knows The things she does to please She's just a little tease See the way she walks Hear the way she talks all right, and uh, so up next was my pick, which was Odena, um, which was one of the more upbeat songs on the album, although not really, it wouldn't really qualify as upbeat in on most other albums, I guess. Um, but yeah, no, definitely fun, fun yeah. sound. Yeah, good sa- kind of kind of poppy sound, although uh, another one that that also kind of falls apart and disintegrates it sounds like um as you're and, and the lyrics it. are hard to figure out what's going on oh I, I on this whole album i think i mean the first line is uh i'd rather shoot a woman than a man <laughs> and what's the magic wand i don't know man i mean this whole <laughs> album it's like the it's like the sonic equivalent of somebody's mental breakdown <laughs> which which is i mean there are i, I shouldn't say that completely there are some uh there are some kind of upbeat songs uh at least at least they've got drive and they're you know they rock a little but uh lyrically i don't i don't think any of it's really upbeat uh you could i've got a friend who says the song thank you friends i don't know if you remember that that's kind of an upbeat one um and it ends it on the version i gave you ends the album but uh he he says he thinks that's uh meant really sarcastically I don't know who who the hell knows. You know what? I'll throw "Thank You Friends" on at the end of this episode. That'll be the the last song, and people can judge for themselves. But um, but as as far as us towards the listeners, we are we do mean it sarcastically. Yeah, of course. We don't consider you our friends, uh, and we don't thank you. But let's listen to yeah, let's listen to a bit of Odina. Thank you. 
say is it the most stark and depressing song on the album maybe it's got a lot of competition but uh holocaust is is the one that's next on my list so what were your thoughts on this one it was, it was like a gut punch it's just awesomely depressing and they have it has some like simple rhymes that just make you want to chomp into them while it's being so depressing and it has that cello i think in the background that's just bringing it down further yeah, well, I mean, you don't really want to do a dance song called Holocaust, I guess. <laughs> um, dance, dance, Holocaust. I mean, really, theoretically, you don't want to do a song called Holocaust, period. Ever. Yeah. But if you're going to, I guess he, he got the mood of it down. Yeah, very angry. And then the the last line of the song, just, just it's just as, as far down as you can go. You're a wasted face. You're a sad-eyed lie. You're a Holocaust. Just, yeah, very angry. Yeah, some yeah, somebody had a case of the Mondays when he recorded this. Um, yeah, yeah. So uh, this, yeah, this goes. I don't even know what this is. This is just like despair. This song, it's beyond depression. Although, as you said, there is anger, so I guess it can't be completely despairing. But, well, they uh, say that depression is anger at oneself. Yeah, that's oh, true. That's the last episode. We shouldn't talk about that. <laughs> anger directed inward i think that's that's what they said on the sopranos anyway um, which is where i get all my medical advice which is where you should get all your medical advice better than doctors cheaper too um not really hbo is expensive it is but you can buy the box set i think for like 20 bucks now hmm. of the first season um so so that's that's about the price of a copay for a lot of people and uh it lasts Thanks, a Obama. lot longer Thanks, Obama, for everything. Ass. I don't know when these uh, left-wingers are going to get their act together and maybe do something for the country and the, the people who care about our flag and our troops. But, but you know, let's not, let's not go off on that. We'd, we'd let's see it. when a left-winger makes something so important as The Sopranos. That was a purely American right-wing enterprise. I agree. As was The Wire. I heard David Simon talk. Um, we're just being idiots right now. Let's listen to Holocaust. Uh, this should this should bring the mood up. Your mother's dead. You're on your own. She's in her bed. 
to stroke it knoll uh kind of a an unfortunate title for the song um but he says it at one point too i guess you know one of the violin players or something um stroke it knoll uh, and this this song compared again compared to everything else is a lot happier it is it's a uh, it's it's really speedy and just kind of joyful nice got the got the nice strings and um again don't know what it's about uh but that is it uh it reminds me there's another song i don't remember which one where in the middle of the song there's like a a guitar solo and uh, the the chilton's i guess it's chilton says play guitarist yeah i know i yeah i can't i can't think of the song in my head right now yeah um yeah this this one's close to a actual pop song too um especially uh with what it's surrounded by on the album uh, so, without further ado, stroke it, Noel. Child, will you come on down? Come on in with me. Morning says to idle on. Stay clear of the street. Oh, I'm the wing and of them. Can you sing? Anything Do you want to dance? Do you? Do you, do you want to dance? Struck you know Alright, and uh the last one that we picked was your pick. Uh, another one of my all-time favorites, I think. Uh, <laughs> it's Nighttime. It's a very lovely song, but really kind of harsh. Another gut punch. It's it's a total detachment. It feels it feels like the the song is about total de- detachment. And it, in the beginning, it sounds like it's going to be a love song, and then it gets to the end lyrics where it's "Get me the fuck out of here." Yeah. Or not get, but not not literally. Was, was it? Well, it's I, I hate, hate it here. here. Get, I hate it here. Get me out of here. Yeah. And it's it's a it's a wonderful song, but it it it, it I think it's like the other songs you're talking about, but where by the end they're just kind of going crazy. Yeah. Yeah. But it it's it's just, it's really lovely. At the same time, with all this, get me out of here. It's a very lovely song. It is, and and yet uh, depressing as hell. Yeah, but it, it it's really easy to to feel that way, where you're you're walking in the streets and nobody's everybody. It feels like everybody's looking at you, and you don't know anyone. It's it does feel like that sometimes. It's, oh it's yeah, like, no, he uh, he captured it. What he meant yeah. to capture with this song for sure. Um, 
in, on the uh, documentary at the at the end, they play uh, two songs while the credits were rolling: uh, "September Girls" and then this song, which I was like, "Oh yeah, that's that's the perfect summing up, I guess." Um, well, yeah, let's let's give people a taste. Nighttime. I'm walking down the freezing street. Scarf goes out behind. You said get them away. Please don't say a word. Get me out of here. Get me out of here. I hate it here. Get me out of here. At night time, I go out and see the people. Air goes cool and hurrying on my way. Glance in your eyes and fell through the skies. Glance in your eyes and fell through the skies. And that is that were the those were the songs we picked. We didn't really pick a lot. We're not gonna. We didn't want to play the whole album like we have done in the past, because <laughs> um, it gets tedious. Uh, much like trying to sign up for Obamacare. Um, but there there were plenty more in the vein of nighttime and Holocaust on here. Um, Blue Moon Kangaroo. Don't know what the fuck that one's about either. Um, Big and black I, car. I did not realize that uh, he wrote a whole lot of shaking going on. Yeah, he did. Uh, I, I think he was two years old at the time. Well, I, you do a lot of shaking when you're two. You do, yeah, what else do you really have to write about? Um, shaking or, or uh, look, mommy, a dog. Write uh, what you know. Write what you know. Cause, so he, uh, he obviously also wrote How Much Is That Doggy in the Window. Yeah, he no, there were other covers actually... Uh, that I that I took off this version um, that I gave you because they were you know they were like bonus tracks or whatever, mm-hmm. um, but yeah there were a few there were a few cover well femme fatale and uh, and god damn it I'm trying to look at the track list now to see what other crap they had and it doesn't matter um, yeah a whole lot of shaking going on is a weird song to throw onto this album and a weird version of that song yeah. Um, but but it's a weird fucking album. I mean, if you if you uh, are a fan of Desolation, then this is you've you've found the album that you have been searching for. This could be your uh, deserted island album. Yeah, yeah. Because it'll fit the theme. And um, yeah, I it's it's a difficult album, but uh, but after about. Another five years, you'll probably like it more than you like a number one record. Whether you listen to it or not. <laughs> it just happens. It just, yeah. Something clicks. So, yeah, something go, a switch goes off in your head. Um, yeah, Big Star never, never big in their time. Uh, and, and now, of course, huge. Alex Chilton went on to be even weirder. I think. Well, I don't know if I don't know if anything's 
gets much weirder than third sister lovers but uh but you know he like started doing like punk stuff and he played with tav falco's panther burns which was kind of a like i don't know psychobilly act in the like late 70s early 80s he like went to cbgb's and was hanging out with the punks and stuff and and then he uh he just went and did all his own weird shit including a lot of a lot of really weird cover songs um keeping in keeping with the theme of doing a whole lot of shaking going on here uh like volare i remember he did on one album <laughs> did he ever come close to his big star like a lot of this stuff is awesome. Is any of his solo stuff as good as the big star stuff? No, I mean, uh, it's no. it's uh, much more spotty. Yeah, it's it's kind of all over the place. I he's just genuinely a weird person, I think. And like I like I said earlier, I don't like watching the uh, the documentary. I knew I wasn't gonna really get any insight into him, and nobody really had any. Um, yeah, I don't understand him. I just got this year. Uh, they released this album uh, a live album he did in in 94 maybe i don't know 92 uh where he was playing at the knitting factory in new york and i guess the power went out so uh then instead of leaving he did an acoustic set of mostly (laughs) he did like three beach boys songs it was it was almost all covers um and it's just really weird people are shouting out requests from the audience he they were shouting out like big star songs and he refused to play them <laughs> and, awesome yeah and uh he has like some of the audience members just sing the lead when he doesn't know the words and he <laughs> but he'll play the songs and it's yeah just a weird fucking guy but but fun guy a fun, a fun well i guess if you catch him in the right mood he is a fun guy i um, mean that story is a fun story yeah no like, it's listening to third maybe not so fun but uh, yeah, yeah, no, it's a cool album. Although, I mean, it's literally taken off somebody's cassette who was there that night that recorded it. <laughs> so the sound quality is not great, but it's it's worth listening to just for the the spirit of it, I guess. Why do you think he refused to do the big star stuff? Just because he didn't want to do it acoustically? No, I I don't think he played big star stuff. Period. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I I don't know why. Um, I saw on again on Wikipedia that he collected seventy bucks for every time it played on in the street played on that seventies show. Oh, did he really? Yes, that's what it said. Well, good. That's what he's. That's what he claimed. Seventy bucks. That's that's not bad. No, for the, for the amount of times that's on TV. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, he's dead now, but. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, that that's good. I, I don't. I don't know. I I can't imagine how he did financially. I mean, I guess he had the box tops money from the 60s but i you know who knows he was he made a living doing music so i guess i guess he did okay yeah but i'd have no idea how he lived you know he could have lived in a in a trailer somewhere who know who the hell knows um a weird fucking guy a weird band a weird story um everybody should check out the the documentary i've been referring to is called big star nothing can hurt me which was uh also very melancholy um but that's fitting with Big Star and and uh, you should just get all their albums. There's only three of them, so um, so what's the problem? They're all they're all worth listening to. I'm glad uh, I'm glad you didn't hate it. A lot of people a lot of people have trouble with Big Star. No, but, I thought I thought there's a lot good with it. The sec- this like the third is a little bit harder to take, but I could hear how things would be better if I listened to it more. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's not nothing. Well, just uh, just a few things strike you uh, immediately on it when listening to it. So. Oh yeah, like nighttime. Nighttime's really good. Yeah, yeah, it's one of those. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. I'm, I just, I had to do a big star thing at some point, being the nerd I am. So. Uh, I, I like to. I wonder how the it's uh, that '70s show people picked that song. I mean, it's it's a perfect choice. I just. It's it's kind of neat that something that's kind of what was I guess by then it was more than Big Star was more than cult. Yeah, I think so. I mean, that was after I think. I mean, I don't know. I can like I said, I can only go by my history, and and it was uh, Alex Chilton, the song from the Replacements, that that uh, turned it around. As far as I'm concerned, you know their mm-hmm. their legacy. But I'm sure that it wasn't just that. Although maybe it did make people rediscover. Not that right. the Replacements were huge in their time either. Um, necessarily, though bigger than Big Star ever were. Um, but yeah, oh yeah, I could have done that at the end too, Alex Chilton. But we already did a replacement song, so yeah, we'll end this one with "Thank You, Friends." Um, but it's just interesting to think about how they picked that to be not only in the because I know I'm sure there's other Big Star songs that have been in TV shows all the time, but to be the actual theme song every single episode, it's 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 kind of neat. Well, it's also, I mean maybe the fact that they paid Alex Chilton $70 every time says something about it, because if they would have picked a kiss song, say <laughs> how much would they have been paying Gene Simmons for his bullshit, you know? Yeah. 70, not 70, $70,000. Yeah. And for a song about trying to get laid, um, this fit. Yeah. This in the street fits much better as a, as a theme to that. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think maybe probably financial finance had something to do with it as well i mean they they probably liked big star um whoever was doing the music for it at that point um right yeah i i hope that it's less finance and more that they like big star and just like the song and thought it fit the show really well and maybe he didn't get as much as you'd think because he wasn't him singing yeah yeah um but uh fuck i don't know man i i don't really have a lot more to say i think it's one of those ones where you you let the music talk and then people either get it or they don't. And uh, in the case of most of the people I try to get big star into, they don't. But I think I, I'm surprised because I think most people would love Thirteen. Yeah, the, I mean there are definitely specific songs. I think Thirteen and September Girls is always a good one. Um, but for the most part, I think because some of their songs do sound, have that classic rock sound, I think people have bad associations with that. Yeah. Know? Yeah. With the kind of cock rock stuff that was going on back then. Um, but they're not that. No. Despite song titles like Stroke It Knoll. Uh, <laughs> yeah. They're not. Power Pop, sure. I'll, it's better than classic rock. I'll, I'll go with Power Pop for them. Um, all right. Big star. We did it. Goodbye. Forever. Uh, never listen to them again. What uh, what do you got going on, Pat? Not much. What do you got going on? Not a damn thing. Well, I have to take my dog in uh, for surgery uh, coming up on Tuesday. For uh, well, he's got he's got gum disease, so he's gonna have to get a teeth cleaning, and I think he's gonna have to have some teeth pulled. So I'm not looking forward to it. Jeez. Yeah, I feel really bad for him. And we'd taken him to the vet before, like last time we took him, they're like, oh, he's got a bit of plaque, but, you know, give him some greenies and 
and it should be all right. And then the next time we came in, they're like, oh, his mouth's a disaster area. Gonna have to do all these extractions and and uh, I was like, well, fuck. All right, how long? You know, they're like, oh, we still. This was just, I don't know, a few weeks ago. They're like, oh, we still have people on the wait list from June. I was like, well, what the hell, man? You're telling me his shit's all fucked up, and now I'm, I'm gonna have to wait another six months. So we had to take him to a, a different vet and uh, you know pay for another checkup. And but they they could do it right away. So. Uh, happy holidays, everybody. I was sure that was leading to some kind of dog tooth pun. I'm really disappointed it didn't. I'm disappointed in myself. But, uh... I, it does stink for your dog, too. Yeah, I just don't... And, you know, they're they're like, well, you know, he's going to be under general anesthesia, so there are risks. Anything could happen. Well, I'm like, don't fucking tell me that. I mean, I know you have to say that, but... I don't know. You know, do they tell... Do they tell kids' parents that when they go in for tonsillectomies and shit? I guess they do. Yeah. But it's, they make them sign paperwork to prove that they said it, too. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. I don't know. I understand it, but it's also kind of shitty. Like, we're all adults here. We we know these things. Don't, don't rub my face in it, in the possibility. They should say, even if something happens, we have an exact this, exactly the same looking dog in the back we'll bring out. That's what they should do when, they, when dogs <laughs> yeah. die. Just keep... Ooh, there's a business idea, Pat. InfiniteDog.com. <laughs> Infinite. Yeah, that's a good that's a good name. I was trying to make fun of you, but no, that's actually, that works. So every time you bring it in and your dog happens to pass away, you'll never know it because we're just going to bring a new dog out. There is no dog. I'm trying to think of alternate names now. That that doesn't really fit at all. No, but. We can have another another company where we sell people cats and say they're dogs. It's called There Is No Dog. Or that'll be like just the the service for atheists specifically. There is no dog. Um, yeah, that's that's literally all I have going on. Uh, got the holiday party coming up, so we're gonna be going to the uh, Great American Music Hall, which means nothing to you probably, but it's a uh, place here in San Francisco. Seen Robin Hitchcock there many times. Bob Mould. Uh, and they're going to have karaoke, so we'll be doing karaoke on the stage there. Well, that's that's neat that your your Christmas party is in a, a concert hall. Yeah, we did it once before. Actually, that... Oh, here's a funny story. This will tie into one of our upcoming episodes as well. Um, uh, I I posted video of me singing Kiss by Prince from, the, from there. The last time we did it, Prince's people took it down. <laughs> Ridiculous. <laughs> fucking ridiculous i'm scared to even say his name um we are going to do a prince episode there will be no prince music i wouldn't even throw in prince covers because i, I don't know what his deal is with those yeah it's better safe than sorry well we can talk about um his crazy ass and we can you know we can talk about the songs i think everybody knows the songs anyway they don't need to hear prince's greatest hits snippets of those from us but um Oh, speaking of Robin Hitchcock as well, uh, I I saw Alex Chilton open for Robin Hitchcock in 1990, I think it was. That's neat. Yeah. How was he live? Uh, he was he was pretty good. It was the same thing. A lot of covers, uh-huh. a lot of songs I didn't know, um, but I I thought he was good. He seemed in good spirits. And so, um, Robin Hitchcock is kind of crazy too, so that's a good it's a good match matchup. I think Robin's more eccentric than crazy. Yeah, that's true. That's true. it's 
there is a, a pretty large difference. Yeah, it's the difference between like taking mushrooms and taking PCP, I guess, for for you druggies out there. We always have to uh, put things down to druggy terms because got to pander to the audience. Yeah, it's most of our audience is druggies. I think uh, out of four audience listeners right now, uh, five of them are high. I I would hope so. I, they should just pipe this podcast through methadone clinics across this great land of ours. This great land Obama's doing his best to destroy. I heard they're trying to turn the White House into a methadone clinic, but neighbors are complaining. Well, I mean, it's it's headed Nimby. there. It's headed there, this administration, anyway. Uh, you see they had a big ribbon on the on the front of the White House to commemorate AIDS, I guess. I don't know why they think AIDS is such a great thing. They need to... Like, that's just one more... One more these liberal do-gooders not realizing how horrible they are. Especially since the CIA created the whole thing. To kill black people, you'd think Obama would have... Oh, no, that was crack. Uh, right, yeah. I don't know, man. This country's been going to hell in a handbasket since George W. left office. I heard something quite clever and funny recently. Would you like? Would you like me to share it? Nah. Okay. No, go ahead. Sometimes instead of saying President Obama, I'll, I'll say when I'm having a conversation with my liberal friends, I'll say President Obama. Oh, that's good. I, I, I sometimes like to do the Fox News thing of saying Osama and pretending like I slipped. But I get it. I get a good laugh out of that. Eh, my liberal friends, not so much. But they don't. They're kind of dumb. They don't usually get it. Yeah, they're so humorless. That's why all the great uh, comedians are are conservative, like Dennis Miller. Yeah, and uh, Bob Hope. Oh, good one. Uh, one of the one of the great all time greats, Bob Hope. Who didn't Who didn't have many a chuckle during the holiday season when he would uh, go to the, do one of his uh, USO tours and uh, point at a, a large breasted woman. Wah wah. Oh, yeah, Bob Hope, Dennis Miller, who else we got? Uh, Jeff Foxworthy. I don't know if he's conservative or not. I don't think not. he actually is. Uh, Larry the Cable Guy? I there don't you know. go, he is, he is. Yeah. Uh, little known fact, actually it's a quite well-known fact, uh, dude's not a redneck at all. What is he? I don't know, just white. I think he, he went to some, you know, liberal arts university or something. I don't fucking know. Ivy League, I He's a sham, basically. His whole thing's a persona, which is, which makes you breathe somewhat of a sigh of relief. Um, but on the other hand, why why would you pick that persona? I mean, I know why you would pick it because uh, the Benjamins. But but you know what, what? Why are we talking about this? We were talking. Speaking about... of stupid things, remember a couple of weeks ago I gave a recommendation to people to to read Seinfeld. Which yes. Is, uh, apparently, there is an actual Twitter. That's called Seinfeld Today, and it has what Seinfeld would be doing nowadays. And there are things like um, Elaine gets a, or Kramer gets addicted to Candy Crush, sues Apple, and that's the actual. And it's really extremely popular, and it's the stupidest thing I've ever seen. Oh, of course, I mean the one kind of goes hand in hand with the other. But I I can't believe it's so popular. <laughs> it's called Modern Seinfeld, Seinfeld Today. Jerry's Jerry Twitter's hacked. People like hack, hack Twitter, 
heck, Jerry better. George tries tries to get trample, trampled on Black Friday so he can sue. Everyone is polite. And that that's so horrible. The other one is so sub, sub, subversive and stupid. It's funny. This is really not funny. Well, anyway, that's just a suggestion of something not to look at. Yeah. Uh yeah, I mean, I don't know. I I don't really go on Twitter at all anymore. Sometimes I'll I'll check just to read what comedians are saying, but uh I don't know. I I don't I don't get it. I I think there's just so much stupidity on there and uh and just why? What is what is the point is to to hear yourself talking and get people to retweet you, I guess. I mean, I I I vaguely understand that, but it's I don't know. Well, there's there's a parody site of Seinfeld today that is actually funny and people should look at that. It's called <laughs> Seinfeld Current Day, Seinfeld 2000. And it, it's it always spells George's name G A R G E, and it spells Elaine E L A N E. It's constant misspellings, presumably on pur- purpose, and it's just stupid stuff like Newman get replaced by jo- drone, or wait Newman get replaced by drone. Yeah, Elaine use computer. I'm down with that one. What if Garge from Seinfeld is a new Arcade Fire video? <laughs> a whole stupid video. It's really dumb and really funny. What that is one's it? funny. Seinfeld 2000? Seinfeld 2000. It's the Twitter feed. Uh, that's a Get a Life fan with the 2000 going there. Yeah. Yeah. Jerry only date women with thigh gap. Elaine. Jerry, you're gross. All misspellings and grammar errors. Jerry, look at Garge. Elaine disappearance never acknowledged for the rest of series. Wait, this, what is <laughs> this that, a Twitter? That's the Twitter feed, yeah. Oh, I'm down with that. So, so both of those things I found out about the same time. The disgusting Seinfeld today, which is just unfunny and just puts Seinfeld in the modern place, and the parody site, which is so much better. As they usually are. I, I would. Yeah. We should do a a Webster, an update on Webster. <laughs> I don't, I don't. I mean, I never really watched Webster, but I mean, I guess it would just be a lot of ma'am. Yeah, there's ma'am, and then wasn't the George Papalopoulos Mr. George or was it Mr. Like that? Yeah, that show was so fucking racist, dude. <laughs> well, it was it was racist, but it was also a direct, you know, copy of Different Strokes. Just got a shorter kid. Yeah, I yeah, I I mean, I think they they try to show with like a. Uh, a black man's sperm just to get as small as they could go, but the network wouldn't go for it. And that show was called. Damn, dude, I was hoping you would come up with Jerry's jizz. Oh, oh no, no. I, I meant more like uh Hawaii five Oh or something, something that actually existed. <laughs> I didn't know where you're going. I Sorry. apologize to everyone listening. This is, I including mean, myself, this is, this is my point. We're we're just not conservative enough to be that funny, I guess. I sometimes wish I were more conservative. Do you? Yes. Why is that? So I could be funnier. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Of course. Um, but you know, we're we're doing good with our fifty listeners. I consider myself to the right of Reagan. I I can I mean, I consider myself slightly to the right of Karl Marx. I mean, I'm I'm right wing in some circles. <laughs> All right. Um, 
what are we going to do? Oh, recommendations? Recommendations. Oh, I got one. Uh, the Way, Way Back. It's a movie. I just saw it. It was good. It's Steve Carell, right? Yeah. Did you see it? No. Oh. It, it looked good. It came and went before I got the chance to see it. So it's worth seeing? I think so. It was written by uh, Jim Rash, you know, from Community. And uh, and his his writing partner, you know, they did, uh, what, The Descendants, I guess? Mm-hmm. Which was, I, I enjoyed. Yeah, I thought this was better than The Descendants. Um, not nearly as serious, just kind of just kind of wackier. Although, I mean, not, it, it was like a, a dramedy, you know? Um, and kind of corny, but it it worked still. Like, they, they earned the, the sappiness in it and stuff. Um, just kind of a coming-of-age story uh, about this kid who, who goes off uh, for the summer with his mom and her new boyfriend, played by Steve Carell, uh, to this this little seaside community, I guess, and uh, and he gets a job at the water slides. And it, I, there's no point in me telling you about it. It's it's all you know, it's character study and and not really about plot so much. Steve Carell does really well in those the small independent movies. The the bigger comedies I don't think I enjoy in him in his, as much, but the small ones he does really well in. Like he was in that. Little Miss Sunshine, he did a good job in that. And it sounds like he did a good job in this. He did. I mean, he's not hes not a huge part of this. Um, he plays a total cock, which is uh, out of character, but but it works. Yeah, I, I, I recommend it. I didn't, I didn't know, really know what to expect from it, um, but but I liked it. And and it's a kind of a sweet movie, you know? Mm-hmm. That's so, good. I'll, I'll look for that. Yeah, check it out. What do you got? My recommendation for this week is another, or I guess I didn't do a TV show last week, but it is a TV show. It's called Person of Interest, and it surprised me by how good it's gotten. It's kind of, it's a science fiction show. Have you seen it? No, I think it's on CBS, right? I can't watch that shit. Okay, I don't know what channel, but it uh, it's a science fiction show, with which is set up where each week it's going to have an easy, easy-made story. There's a a computer set up that, that gives them numbers of someone who's either going to kill somebody or die. And the, the basis of the show is one character is basically a superhero and he goes, saves the day. But over time, the show has become, has, has always done a good job of building up stories and having, having arcs that work really well. So they do a good job of writing episodes and the, the episodes build up upon each other to create really interesting drama. And the past couple of weeks, they, they, it was a culmination of a story that's been going on for two or three years and they did it a wonderful job of ending the story up and one character dies and the, the episode that portrays the aftermath of this character dying was, was one of the best TV episodes I've ever seen, especially commercial TV. Really good show. If you get a chance, watch it from the beginning. Cause I think it's hard to hard, hard to start watching it after it already started. But really? It, All right. Person of interest. Uh, sounds like a cross between quantum leap and dead like me. Actually, it sounds nothing like that. Uh, it, it, it it actually is. It's and um, there's actors from Quantum Leap in it and actors from Dead Like Me. Oh, good. The, wait, M- Mandy this... Patankin is the star, and the co-star is Scott Bakula. Oh well, I mean that's a recipe for success right there. Wait, is this the one with uh, Benjamin Linus from Lost yes. on it? Yes. Yes. Oh, okay. He's the, the star. All right. Yeah, and the the actors are all really good in it. Even in the guest star spots, they've gotten good actors. Well, then I will reluctantly check it out. Uh, I didn't. I actually didn't know what it was about at all. I didn't know it was a sci-fi. 
premise. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's soft. soft. I soft, mean, it's not, yeah. it's not that far into the future. It's, it's the premises there. Linus has built this computer that watches everyone and uh, it can find out it's, it's, he built it for the, for the government to watch for terrorists, but the, this other non, non vital stuff, he gets the information for and uses his, his team to fight it. And it, it's just, it's well acted and it's pretty well written. All right. I'll get on that hit. Um, good. Well, I'm, I'm good. I'm, uh, I don't know what's wrong with me tonight, dude. My, I'm having another one of those nights where I, I can't feel like I can't think on my feet very well. Um, but you I should, should try, try thinking try. with my head. No, I was going to say try lying down. Oh, I actually am lying down. So that's not it either. Or maybe I'm just dumb. Maybe I'm just a dumb guy. I I am a dumb guy, but I can still think of my feet. Yeah, so I don't know, man. I'm I'm beyond the pale, I guess. Ask me what uh, seven, seven times seven is. Seven times seven. I don't have a calculator, but it's high. It's pretty high. I don't think I'm quite there yet, as far as my age. Um, but you know, I mean, I could I could probably figure that out by uh, because uh. Michael Apted, is that his name? Comes and films me every seven years uh, to see how I'm I'm getting along in life. Not not like a documentary. It's just filming you, not even talking to you. You're just kind of walking around. Oh yeah, most mostly uh, cooking and uh, and trying to figure out how to use the shower. So yeah, I, I mean, but that's a lot of effort to go back through all that footage just to figure out how old I am and what seven times seven is. It is embarrassing when you go to visit someone and you can't figure out how to use their shower. And you come down in a towel saying, how do you use your shower? It's Oh, you come down in a towel? Well, that's they, that's no way to get them to hurry hurry along with it. There's always a threat of a t- towel dropping. Oh, just like on dads. All right. Have you been keeping up with dads? Um, if by keeping up with you mean utter utterly ignoring yes i have me too i can't i watched the first episode a show that we talked about watching but i don't think we ever discussed because i hadn't watched it but i watched the first episode of the hey hey was it hey ladies on hbo oh yeah what did you think it was funny it was really uncomfortable but funny yeah so I'll, I'll give it a, i'll give it a shot i honestly have not kept up with it after that first episode but uh oh, okay. i'll, I'll check it out more yeah i you know sometimes that uncomfortable humor works and sometimes it just makes me wince too much um so i'll have to see how it goes with future episodes i've seen that fat guy in other things he's usually pretty funny commercials mostly really that's what i recognize him from i don't know what else he's done i well he, i know he was in just like the week before this he was in an episode of super fun night but yeah oh, I, yeah I, yeah well uh, yeah i'm sure he he appreciates being called that fat guy by us too well I, i'm sure he's used to it yeah, no, true. That's almost certainly what's on his headshot. I, I'm that fat guy from that thing. Love me. Or at least pay me. All right. Um, I think we are done. We've reached our quota. Yeah, of of mocking people with uh, different body types. So... Oh, next week we will be doing, I believe it's going to be Ghostbusters versus Ghostbusters 2 with uh, a guest, who the the guy who designed our logo, actually. Who has no name. No, no, you'll have to wait to find out. 
Oh, he does have a name. Shoot. I don't remember it at this moment. I thought he was one of those uh, San Francisco people who decided not to have a name and just went by a barcode. Oh, yeah. I, oh, God. Bane of my existence. Because you got to carry a scanner around with you just to say hello. Fucking San Francisco. Uh, all right. Well, uh, write us at popculturecontinuum at gmail.com. Rate us on iTunes. Uh, like us on Facebook. Like us on Facebook. And uh, after that, you are free to... Live your lives. Eat all the chili you want. Keeps the ghosts away. Until next time, everybody. Goodbye. Goodbye.